Good afternoon and welcome to the Market Wrap for week ending 13th of August 2021. Stuart Williamson here at the helm. This week we're going to be covering two uh, topics. One is what are the threats to our current UK housing boom? Is it going to go pop? And then secondly, how can we try and change the situation so economically we don't have these boom bust cycles in the future? What needs to be done to the UK economy to make that better? Um, so very simply at the moment, UK house prices, as we discussed previously, have defined gravity. You know, we had a COVID outbreak. The UK uh, economy shrank by 10%, which is the greatest shrunk for 300 years since the great freeze or the great frost of 1709. Since then, house prices have gone up by 14% in the last year. So that is absolutely crazy. How can that possibly be? That's the best for 17 years, 13.4%. So are we in a middle of a housing bubble? Is it going to go, all go pear-shaped? Okay, let's look at the threats we've got at the moment. End of the stamp duty holiday. Will it puncture the current lending possibilities, the bubble that's been built up, and will the financial system um, collapse, damage the COVID recovery? Secondly, mortgage credit has grown from 280 million in April 2020 when the first lockdown kicked in to the highest ever rate, 11 billion in March this year. Is it sustainable post-COVID? Got a third COVID wave was washing over the UK. Will that put us back into lockdown? Proposed end of the furlough scheme in September. Will that lead to a huge bump in, uh, in unemployment? And then finally, inflation. Biggest thing, could it lead to the Bank of England being forced to increase rates, which would strangle the recovery? and lead to unemployment, lead to more people being bankrupted and basically have a very negative effect indeed. So the Bank of England keeps inflation rates under control. If you can do that, what are the external pressure points, as they call them, pinch points? Basically you have the two biggest trading partners that the UK has, which is the US has 5.4% inflation and Europe has 2.2%. That's very high for both of them. Historically, Europe has been a lot less than that. So if they have their price, prices all going up, that's going to add to our problem situation. Secondly, oil prices. Oil prices are linked to obviously travel. Once the flights start opening up again, will that mean oil prices go up? Another external pinch point that can't be controlled. And then finally, shortages of labour due to Brexit I mean, it's 40% less people working in London in the construction industry because they've gone home, they've left the UK. So that will lead to wage inflation. Now, the bank has tried to calm these inflation fears, Bank of England, by saying it's just transitory and it, it won't carry on. It's just the result of a rapid recovery. But they're now saying inflation will probably reach 4% by the year end. And is that too much of them to control? Andy Haldane, who's the chief economist there, who's just left, has come up with some fantastic quotes. He says, Britain is at the most dangerous moment for managing inflationary risks since the UK dropped out of the European exchange rate mechanism in 1992. Interest rates went 17% overnight. As the economy accelerates out of the COVID-19 recession at a record pace, Aldane has warned that the beast of inflation is stalking the land once more. With booming demand, labour shortages and supply chain disruption, risking a wage price spiral similar to 1970s or 1980s and 1980s. So if interest rates are, to, are raised quickly, 
what will be the outcome? It puts the Bank of England in a very, very difficult position. It puts the economy in a very difficult position because although average household debt to income ratios have fallen a great deal since 2007, 2008 crisis, which was a long, long running financial crisis after that, its distribution across different socioeconomic groups is not equal anymore. Basically, we've got a long tail of low income households with high levels of debt, mostly in many cases unsecured, i.e. credit card debt. For these people, even a small increase in interest rates would make a material difference to disposable income and spending power. The Financial Conduct Authority estimated a quarter of all adults have low financial resilience defined as having a little capacity to withstand financial shocks. These groups are almost most, most at risk when the job losses when furlough scheme ends because of the low, low paid ones that are easily got rid of, which I know is very, it's very sad and it's not the right way, but unfortunately that's free market economy for you. In addition, the government's promise of state guaranteed mortgages worth 95% of a property on homes with up to 60,000 will increase the size of this vulnerable group because they'll be buying property they can't really afford, to be fair. Finally, Bank of England's own research suggests small rises in interest rates could contribute to falling house prices as property suddenly becomes less attractive to investors compared to other assets like government bonds. So all these things would have a very negative effect on the UK residential property market. In reality, a return of interest rates to historical norms of 4 to 5% with the global central banks working together seems very un unlikely. A rise to 2% is more, more likely. But this could still have a damaging effect on the economy, weakening consumer confidence at a time when the government is trying to reduce its spending or increase taxation you know, because the public, the public deficit is so great. So if you have people losing confidence and, and the government's trying to increase tax, then it, it basically gives you to a negative situation in the economy. So that's where we're at at the moment. So how did the UK economy end up in a situation where even a tiny rise in interest rates, you know, a key, a key tool of monetary policy could raise such serious concerns for the macroeconomy? Macro I mean, the UK has been tied for decades to household debt-led growth models, where ever-rising house prices driven by ever more bank credit support, consumption via wealth and, and home equity withdrawals are basically what has fueled the economy. You know, property is also a key form of collateral for the banking system, meaning house prices directly impact the ability of businesses to access credit. If banks don't want to lend to house owners, they don't want to lend to businesses. So it's about, all about confidence. So for the most time, this form of residential capitalism, as, it, as it's called, can support consumption even when it starts to stagnate, when you start getting a flat market. But it's fundamentally, it's an it's a economically inefficient model. Boom-bust. I mean, where is the sense in that? You don't want to have boom-bust. You want to have a steady rising economy, a steady rising market. You know, it's a stressful way of, of running a country. It'd be far better not to have that. And to a certain extent, you know, in the 70s, we used to have that. I remember, you know, three-day week. You, know, you, had, you had the miners strike, so you had all these different things used to lead to like the boom bust scenario, and and it was a very strange time to live in, and we seem to have got out of that to a large extent, but we still have it in the in the housing market, which is a very negative effect. It's very good if you already own property, 
because you're gaining the most when property prices go up. But non-owners, non-parents owners see their wealth decline and they, they, and they will have to go out and get bigger and bigger mortgages to try and get onto the housing ladder. Income groups spend more of every additional pound of income on foodstuffs, on everyday living. So they have, as inflation kicks in and prices go up, they will have less and less to try and get on the housing ladder. So it's negative in, from that economic perspective. You know, high levels of household, household debt coupled with house price crashes are associated with deep and long recessions. This model also drives highly damaging boom-bust cycles and mediates against long-term business investment and productivity growth. Why invest in new products and services when you can get a higher return in property? I mean, that's the whole thing that, that drove the 70s and 80s. Now, the pandemic has, has amplified these dynamics, um, but there are underlying flaws in the British economy that require structural change. The UK economy needs, and now although this may be counterintuitive to your property investor, you know, it needs things that are to get us away from this boom thinking that longer term will give us a better rate of return. You know, we do need higher taxes on capital gains on property. That will help reduce speculative investment. We need to have stronger, not weaker mortgage regulation. We need to have a better and more secure rental sector. So not just private landlords, but also you know, the public sector needs to be in there. You know, we, we saw a big council housing population, Margaret Thatcher sold it all off. That was actually very negative. And looking very currently, we need a more aggressive and I think probably Biden-esque, you know, Biden, um, Biden-esque investment programme in good quality, well-paying public sector jobs in areas such as care, green infrastructure, which will overall help raise incomes and make homes more affordable for more people without requiring a crash in prices that can send the economy into a downward tailspin again. These are the sort of things that need to change to, to maintain a, a, a boom and not necessarily have it as a, a huge boom, but just keep a, a gradual growth over the years. In the short term to medium term, I don't think it's going to be that, that crash. You know, the residential house price growth will continue you know, but we need to change the dynamics of the economy so we're not having a boom bust, so it's just a general growth. What will fuel the, the current market? As I said previously, low interest rates. We can't see them going above 2%, which is still very, very low. Government support and intervention that is still going on all the time and is very positive. Continued use of the COVID treasure chest, so money people have built up, they keep on leaking that out continue moving moving to new larger houses larger properties no economic bump i don't think it will be i don't think uh, the furlough will be that bad at end rent collection has been great is in an occupancy occupancy rates of of rental properties have been fantastic maintain tight lending rules and basically you've still got the huge undersupply if we went back to building better housing if we went back to you know all of the other things i've already mentioned these issues wouldn't be brought up. But in the short to medium term, we're still gonna continue with the present market growth, but we do need to have some fundamental changes to the UK's economic profile and model. So that's it for this week. Hope it wasn't uh, too technical or a bit boring. Uh, most of the information came from a guy called Josh Ryans Collins, who's head of finance and macroeconomics at University College of London. 
Institute for Innovation, Innovation and Public Purpose. Thank you very much. Bye bye.